Welcome to the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. Today's topic is secret cues. I'm Michael Aceta, host of the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast, author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, and owner of Matador Canine Brilliance. Today we're talking about secret cues. What are they? How can we use them effectively? And how they can actually hurt us when we don't intend to use them. We're going to get into it right now. What are secret cues? I want to start off by telling you a wonderful story. If you know this story, bear with me. There was a horse. His name was Clever Hans. He became very, very famous because this horse could do math. Any question it was asked by a group of people, any mathematical equation, this horse could stomp its foot to the correct answer. It could be 7, it could be 10, it could be 45, whatever it may be. This horse could do math, and it had thousands of people convinced that it could do it. Hence the name Clever Hans. It was such a smart horse, it could do math. And all it needed, all it needed to be able to do this math correctly, was to have the owner and the handler by its side. Seems a little strange, don't you think? Well, they chalked it up to that the horse just didn't feel comfortable. He was a sensitive horse. And he didn't feel comfortable displaying his wonderful abilities if the handler wasn't around. Turns out, years and years after putting on this charade... The handler was able to come forth with the truth that he had taught the horse. Stomp your foot until I give you the signal. It had a start signal, and the amount of time the signal was present, he would stomp his foot, and then once the end of the signal was given, the horse would stop. And here's the fun part. No one ever saw the signal. It wasn't a sign. It wasn't a dramatic hand motion. It wasn't a winking eye. It was so subtle, so subtle that the horse could pick up on it because animals are masters of body language. That's how they communicate most of the time. It was so subtle that nobody ever realized that's what the handler was doing. But of course, Clever Hans knew. And Clever Hans stomped its foot accurately every single time. Now you may be wondering, well, was the, math, was the handler really that good at math? Yes, he was a mathematician, if I'm correct. So he was remarkably good at math. And he could figure out almost anything. Faster than most people. So while people were trying to compete with a horse, and they're not really competing with the horse, they're competing with the handler, they would think, oh my gosh, this horse is amazing. He just, he takes it and he starts stomping it out immediately. Realistically, you could have the horse stomping its foot while the mathematician was thinking of the answer and just had to stop on the right one as long as it was longer, <laughs> as long as he didn't stomp more than it took him to process how long it was, right? I always think about, there's a math technique where when you multiply, you start with <clears throat> the beginning of the number, right? So if I was going to do 12 times 12, I know it's 144, but you would start with two tens, that's going to be 100. So you'd start saying 100, and then 2, 2, that's 4. Boom. There you go. So, right? 12 times 12 is 144? Yeah, I don't think it's 104. That would make no sense. Yeah, it's definitely 100. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know now. now. Now I'm lost. But it's 144, but you get the point, right? So 12 and 12, there's two 10s involved, and then there's two 2s involved. So the two 10s create 100. So while you're processing what the two 2s equal... You would go, oh, well, it's 144. Anyway, I've, I've, I've gone on a mathematical tangent. We're only, we're only four minutes into today's podcast. 
<laughs> if I lost you, I'm sorry. Let's bring it back to dog training. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. So secret cues are anything that we don't intend, or maybe we do intend, to be very subtle indicators for our dog to do a behavior. If you say the word sit, it is very clear what you want them to do on our side and on their side. Sit. They put their butt down. Great. Boom. Awesome. And everybody else in the surrounding area knows exactly what you told your dog to do. Even if you didn't use a verbal cue like sit, you could use a hand motion. Right? Keeping your arm down at your side, lifting the hand up by keeping the elbow in the same spot is a wonderful way to indicate for your dog to do a sit. That is a, a standard practice amongst obedience competitions, police and military dogs. It's a very simple, straightforward, that's the sit motion. And then doing it in reverse would be a down motion, starting with your hand up and pointing it straight down towards the ground. That would be down. Recall would be having your hand out and then folding it in towards your chest. That's a recall. These are very clear hand signals. Your dog does not need that clear of a signal. Yes, when you're teaching, you should have that clear of a signal. But you could shorten it. You could make it smaller. You could phase it out to where you're just your maybe your finger flicks. Maybe not even. Maybe you just tilt your shoulder and your dog would start to sit or down, whatever it is. So a secret cue might be something you intend and might not be something you intend to tell our dog to do something. I've talked about automatic behaviors before where we actually use secret cues. We use cues that are in the environment to tell our dog to do something. This is insanely powerful when done correctly. However, this can hurt your training time and time again if you're not aware of it. This is why I always recommend recording your training sessions. Every single training session should be recorded. If you record it, you have a better understanding of what you're doing in the training session. You can actually look at it and say, oh, what did I do this week? Oh, what did I do? What did I do? Right? Ooh, I, I, I see I stepped. I took a step with my left leg and my dog got up from whatever they were doing, right? They were in a down next to me. And I take a step with my left leg and they got up. Reward that too many times and now they start to think that your left leg moving is the cue to get up. It's not that they just made a mistake. It's not that they got overly excited. They're actually convinced that that is a good thing. Ooh, I should look for that leg because that means I can get up. We do it constantly. So record your sessions and look back, see what you're doing, and see where you might be indicating something to your dog. Where it really hurts us is when we are trying to be good, right? We're, we're actually going through the process, through the motions, and we don't realize that our dog is picking up on these cues, and we never realize it, we never notice it, because our dog still does insanely well. What do I mean by that? If I were to tell my dog to sit, and they do so, great. However, if I start to tell my dog to down, but my body tells them to sit because of whatever other secret cues are going on, and they sit, I should pay them because they responded to a cue appropriately, just not the right cue that I wanted in that moment. Because I didn't go about teaching them, don't do it unless I say X, Y, Z, right? This gets into stimulus control. So if I say sit, every other cue that you might perceive should not matter. The only thing you should focus on is sitting when I say sit. The only thing you should focus on when I say down is downing, nothing else. But because there's secret cues involved, there's other things that our dogs don't recognize, or rather they do recognize really well, and they can't discern between one and the other, 
they just start guessing. They're like, oh, well, you've given me three cues at the same time. I'm just going to go with the one I like more. That's where we really get into trouble. Because now we might blame the dog. And we say, well, the dog's not paying attention. Let me correct it. Whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't understand why the dog did it in the first place. Hey, why would I correct a dog who is appropriately responding to what they think is right? It's my fault that I didn't set up a scenario easy enough for them to understand and build enough strong success and work on stimulus control. Remember that. It is not their fault. They're doing the best they can with the information you've given them. It's not their fault. You did not set up the training scenario appropriately, and you did not work through training the way it should be worked through. So that's where we really get into trouble, because now we've damaged trust. We maybe even damaged the behavior itself, because we want our dogs to like doing the behaviors, and if we're punishing them now for guessing, they're going to hate doing the behaviors and maybe hate training with us altogether. That's a terrible pattern. I don't want that. I want my dog to enjoy what they're doing and to love doing it to the point where they love training with me every single day. So when might you want to use secret cues? Well, a huge one is in competitions. Huge, huge, huge. For example, if you're teaching your dog to heal by your side, and when you come to a stop, your dog sits. You can actually teach that, quote, secret cue. It's not really a secret cue because we're going about teaching it. But it's one that maybe people don't recognize. That's why it's secret. Right? People aren't going to see this blatantly and go, oh, that's exactly what you're doing. But if you spend the time teaching them that when your heels are connected, they should sit, versus when your heels are separated, they should stand, that is an amazing secret cue that practically no one will pick up on, unless they know about secret cues and they've listened to this podcast now. Right? So you're walking along, they're perfectly next to your hot, uh, side, they're looking up at you, they're walking along. You stop and your heels click and they sit. Beautiful. If you stop and your heels don't click, they stay standing and they look at you. Now you can pivot to the left, do your right, whatever you want. Those subtle cues, those secret cues, could be the difference between winning and losing. Right? You might even just do it as a reminder to your dog to sit, even though they have an automatic sit when you stop walking, whatever it may be. This just helps ensure that when you're in the ring, you have another way to communicate them without giving another command, right? They say that in competitions, you can only give one command, otherwise you lose points. And I believe they use the term command, not cue. And we can go on a, a giant tangent if you'd like about commands and cues, but I won't, I won't today. That'll be a, another topic for another podcast, but you can only give one command. So if I say heal, I can't say heal again. I could say sit, I believe, at the end of the heel. Or, in some competitions, it has to be automatic. I stop moving, they sit down. You can even do it separately, where one of them is your heels clicking. And this is, this is how specific you can get. If my left foot stays still and my right foot moves into the click, right? So my right, move, my right foot moves closer to my left foot, that might mean sit. And if my right foot stays still and my left foot moves closer to the right foot, that might mean down. This is how specific you can get if you actually put forth the time to train exactly what I'm talking about here. If you don't put forth the time to train it, then no, it's not going to happen. But your dog will pick up on subtle cues. They will pick up on them. They're going to pick up on it either way. The question is, do you want to be in control of what they pick up on? Which I do. 
Or do you want to let them just naturally pick up on things and have to fix it later on? Right? The car door closes outside. Your dog loses their mind. Then the person comes inside. What had just happened? They heard the car door. They got excited. And because they got excited, a person came into the house. That's what they think. That's a secret cue. Secret cue is the door. And when you recognize that the door is telling them to do something, you can change what they're doing in response to the door. Until you recognize that. Until you go, oh, the door is the start of this. It's not my dog freaking out. I shouldn't start focusing on my dog when they're freaking out. I should focus when I hear the door and get them to do something different. If I can get them to do something different when they hear the door, we can eliminate that barking, that overly freaking out excitement. Because every time that person comes in after the freak out, they get rewarded for responding to the door in that way. If I can teach them something else, they will get rewarded for responding in that new way, whatever it may be. They get rewarded for responding that way whenever someone comes into the house. That's huge. That would fix 80% of dog owners' problems, I think. Just that simple practice. Oh, my dog freaks out when the car door goes off. I'm going to work on something before they freak out so that when the person comes in or the person leaves the property, whatever it is, right, whatever is rewarding for the dog, either or, once that happens, they get rewarded for doing that new thing, going to place, finding mom, sitting on the couch, being quiet, whatever it may be, something incompatible. But we have to recognize what that secret cue is. Sometimes we don't even realize that we are actually saying the secret cue. And we don't realize it's a cue. That's why I'm calling it a secret cue. So let's say you're working with a dog. Let's say you're working with your own dog. And you say, you want to go for a walk? And you start, starts running around having a grand old time. I want to go for a walk? Want to go for a walk? That is a signal to tell them we're going for a walk. It is. Right? But let's say you're only doing it, you're only doing it to get their harness on so you can put them into the car so you can take them to the vet. And you only ever put the harness on to put them in the car to take them to the vet and you don't go anywhere else. Let's just say. Right? This is situational here. You only ever put the harness on to put them in the car to take them to the vet. And you say, oh, you want to go for a walk? You want to go for a walk? You want to go for a walk? That secret cue of you holding the harness is enough to negate the excited part of going for the walk in most cases, especially if a dog is insanely fearful. And what ends up happening is that secret cue of the harness outweighs you saying, let's go for a walk, let's go for a walk, let's go for a walk. Now what's happened? Not only did I devalue, let's go for a walk, and possibly built a bad association to it, but I did not recognize exactly what the problem cue is, and that's holding the harness. If I can target training that secret cue to mean something good, it'd be a hell of a lot easier to put the harness on, get my dog in the car, and go to the vet. But instead, I've made a bad association to that cue, and it's not verbal. It's competing with a verbal cue, but it's not a verbal cue. And owners are baffled by this all the time, and they're frustrated. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm telling my dog we're doing something exciting, but they still know. Somehow they know. They are masters of body language and building associations. They are masters. And when I mean masters, I mean masters. They notice every little thing. You might have your keys in your pocket when you usually don't. Boom. If you've ever had your dog get excited about something that you haven't done in a long time, yeah, the memory is there. 
My dogs used to get excited when I put my backpack on, a very specific bright orange backpack. If I put it on wearing a polo, they knew I was going somewhere and they got to come with me because I was going to work. If I didn't wear the polo, they still got excited about the backpack, but it was a different excited. If I didn't have the backpack and just the polo, they didn't care. Put those two together, they knew exactly what was going on. They're masters of building associations. And when you start to look for all of these secret cues, all of these little tiny things, then you start to go, oh, okay, I get it. I see now. And you can very easily train against it. Until you recognize those secret cues, you're not going to be able to train against it. And you're going to get frustrated every time you have to think about what is going on. Why is my dog doing this? Why is my dog not listening? Alrighty, the biggest secret cue that nobody focuses on is whether you have treats or not. Having treats in your hand tells your dog that it's time for training. Yes, great, wonderful. Not having treats in your hands tells your dogs we're not training and they don't need to pay attention because there's no opportunity for rewards. Hide the treats. Make those as secret as possible. And by secret, I mean non-existent, but still existent. Your dog should not know they exist because they're picking up on the fact that if you don't have treats, we're not training, I'm not paying attention, I'm not listening. If you do have treats, I'll be the goodest good boy that's ever existed. If we have that dichotomy, that struggle, your dog will never respond in a realistic setting. They'll only ever respond in a training setting, and that's not what we want. So start looking for this week. This is my challenge to you for today or this week. Start looking, excuse me, start looking at everything you're doing. Record all your training sessions. Record everything you do with your dog if you can. Figure out what you might be telling your dog, what secret cues you might be giving off that you didn't realize before. Right? Are you leaning into them a little too much? Is that getting them to sit? Sometimes that happens too where we're not actually meaning to do it, but it's an old habit, it's old practice. So you'd say, sit. Your dog doesn't sit, and you lean into them. So look for those kinds of things this week. In announcements category, <laughs> the Dog Training Cheat Codes is available at matadorcanine.com. It's a wonderful book. It helps you take professional secrets and get faster and reliable results. I wrote it myself. It's a wonderful read. It's a, it's a short read. It's about 200 pages. It's absolutely fantastic. The Acknowledge Dog Podcast is available on so many different platforms. If you're listening to this on one and you'd prefer to listen to it on another, please let me know what that other platform is. I would love to spread the knowledge here on any platform. We are available on Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, as, some, as well as some others. Matador University is open for enrollment if you are interested in taking some online dog training courses to better enhance your knowledge and relationship with your dog. Please email me and I'd love to figure out if it's the right thing for you. So we'll do a little call and see what problems you're going through and that kind of thing. I am also opening up 20 spots, 20 spots. And if you're listening to this when it's showed, when it actually airs, 20 spots are going to be open. Email me. I will send you a link. We'll do another discovery call. We'll figure out what's going on. I'm only going to take on 20 students at this time, and we're going to do a six-week course, a six-week coaching program combined with Matador University, so you have access to all the online courses. 
If you're interested in that, please message me. You can find me on any social media platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, any of those. Just let me know you're interested in the six-week coaching course. Thank you guys for listening today. As always, I appreciate you advancing your knowledge and growing with your dog. And have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I'll see you in the next episode.